We wish you welcome. Also, our listeners, we wish you welcome. Praying that our Lord Jesus Christ gives you his peace, no matter what your day is like. The Lord be with you. I pray that the peace of the Lord Jesus is with you. Let us turn to Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 17. The verses start at verse 14, verses 14 and 15. Now, after the transfiguration we talked about, Peter, James, and John came down the mountain with the Lord, and they came into the valley where they found the other nine disciples in trouble. Because a child badly suffering from epilepsy had been brought to them, and they were unable to help the boy. So verse 14, when they were come to the multitude down a mountain, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him, saying, verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. G. Campbell Morgan, in the Gospel according to Matthew, believes that the expression that he was a lunatic is often understood as indicating that he was epileptic on the basis of the symptoms, although he may have also had mental unbalance. And Stanley M. Horton in the Complete Biblical Library writes, the boy suffered, and I quote, suffered from epilepsy in, from the Greek seleniazitai to be moonstruck, to be an epileptic and supposedly influenced by the moon moonstruck or a lunatic and Horton adds these symptoms were the direct consequence of demonic possession and he quote and he quotes Matthew 17 verse 18 where it says Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment So it was the father of the boy who brought the situation to the Lord. He kneeled before the Lord and pleaded mercy for his son because the disciples had not been able to help him and cure the boy. Most likely, the whole situation was pretty embarrassing for those nine disciples that had been left behind in care of the ministry. And they probably were worried about ridicule and laughter from the crowd. Maybe that too. The healing of the demon-possessed boy took place on the day after the transfiguration as recorded in Luke chapter 9 verse 37 and it came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill much people met him. So as to me, that's a day after, but let's keep it as it is. It must have been a hard coming down to earth, coming back to reality 
or rather coming back to earth reality after the blessed event on the mount. And quite a crowd had gathered in the valley waiting for the Lord's return, perhaps even through the night. And when in the morning the Lord appears, immediately he was confronted with sickness, a confused crowd, a father who could find no healing for his son, the helplessness of the disciples who hadn't figured out the source of the Lord's authority over sickness yet. So 14 and 15, the verses, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And Mark's gospel records that the boy was deaf and dumb at times and gives a realistic account. In Mark 9, the verses 17 and 18, this from the New International Version, when they came down to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about with them about? He asked. And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit and has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but he couldn't. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. It's obvious that there was some conversation between the Lord and the father of the child, that the child had had this affliction ever since he was little, and sometimes even caused him to fall into fire or into the water. The Lord Jesus said to the father, Verse 23, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And even when the Lord was talking, the child had fallen to the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Verse 23, everything is possible for one who believes. 24, and straightway 
Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help down mine unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, as a crowd was forming, the Lord right then cast out the spirit. It left the child as dead. But then the Lord took him by the hand and lifted him up. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. The devil was cast out and the child was healed immediately. Interesting is what is recorded in Mark where the father asked the Lord, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us, whereupon the Lord retorts, and this in the New International Version, if you can, Everything is possible for one who believes. The Lord puts the emphasis on that. It seemed that the faith of the Father was not great and that it needed growing. And again, Mark, then immediately, Mark 9, verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And it seemed as if the Lord was somewhat annoyed with his disciples that they were so helpless against this demon. They had received power over unclean spirits earlier. As we read in Matthew 10 verse 1, also from the NIV, when Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And it says in Luke 9 verse 6 that they indeed did. They set out the disciples and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Then why couldn't they help this boy? Why couldn't they help him? It seems that power given by God may not be a permanent ownership or a permanent possession. And that prayer and faith take a big part. Paul teaches Timothy not to neglect that gift. We read it in 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. It says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. When you go to the Old Testament, even in 2 Kings 4, chapter 4, the verses 27 through 36, it records where Gehiza needs help. 
and finds that help in Elisha to revive a young boy from death with prayer. And the disciples found that help in the Lord. But why were the disciples not able to heal the boy themselves? The Lord looked the general faithlessness of the crowd straight in the face. As we read in verse 17, Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Moses, he also complained about willfulness, willfulness, the stubbornness of the people. Find it in Deuteronomy 32, verse 5. He wrote, they are corrupt and not his children, not God's children. To their shame, they are a warped and crooked generation. God himself complained about them. Also in Deuteronomy 32, verse 20, I will hide my face from them. And in Numbers 14, verse 27, and also in Isaiah 65, verse 2, all day long have I held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. See that? Pursuing their own imaginations. Also in Philippians 2 verse 15 and Acts 2 verse 40, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Peter preached after the Pentecost experience and the Holy Spirit came down. Perhaps the circumstances of the early experience transfiguration heightened the Lord's outburst of feeling and emotion. That's possible. Most likely, he'd been reminded of the glory of heaven and now he was confronted with humanity and all its unbelief, its skepticism. Is that it's agnosticism and doubt. And here the Lord must have seen the difference between the earthly and the heavenly man, between transfiguration and sickness, between knowing the power of God and being powerless. Mark, in his gospel, records the boy's father's lack of faith Even the father wondered whether the Lord could help his son. If thou canst do anything, Mark 9 verse 22 as we read, after which the Lord challenged the father into believing by telling him the very idea of saying, if you can, and gave the father a promise he could hold on to. Mark 9 verse 23. All things are possible to him that believeth. Now 
And so it was that Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him, out of the boy, and the child was cured from that very hour. The boy's suffering stopped immediately, and it also was when the Lord healed the centurion's servant some time back, as recorded in Matthew 8, verse 13, that at that very moment, also when the Lord had ministered to him, the centurion was healed when they checked about the time. The disciples didn't try to deny that they had failed. But when later they were all back at the house and they were alone with the Lord, they asked him about it because they wanted to know why they hadn't been able to cast out the demon. Maybe also this was the first time it had happened like this and possibly that they were surprised that things had happened as they did. And it is now that the Lord makes an important statement, a statement about faith, and he tells his disciples that they had failed because of their unbelief. Mark continues recording that the Lord made it clear to them that the reason was not the child, nor the father, or the demon, but that it was their own unbelief. Mark 9, verse 28. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Matthew 17, verse 20, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So the lesson was, in some cases... What the Lord could accomplish in a word or so, the disciples needed to accomplish by prayer and fasting. It's not the greatness of the problem that is the difficulty. It is the lack of faith on the part of believers. As with the cry of the Canaanite Phoenician woman whose daughter desperately needed healing, so it also was here, the sincere and simple cry of this father for his son gave an avenue of healing for the boy. Again, Mark 9, verse 24. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. What is that faith? And the Lord explains, verse 20, Matthew 17, verse 20, For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall, it shall remove. Or the translation literally is, It will transport itself. And nothing shall be impossible unto you.
the Lord seemed to use the example of a mustard seed not only because of the small size of the seed, indicating how immensely strong faith, even in an utterly small size, can be. It wasn't only the small size of the seed. Then he could have used, for example, the grain of sand that is even smaller than a mustard seed. It was the quality of the seed and the ability of the seed to grow that was important. It was not only the small size. A grain of sand, even though very small in size, would not have done because with a grain of sand, there is no chance of growth. A mustard seed has life. Faith has life. Faith can grow. Our faith can grow. And we need to feed our faith so it can grow by reading the Word of God. So that by reading, we start getting an inkling of a realization and knowledge of the power of God. And then after faith has grown to some size, then faith can move mountains and can move problems and can even make the impossible possible. It's that kind of faith that renders one submitted to God. And of course, in the meantime, be a close follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And referring to the unlimited power of God, our Lord gave moving mountains as an example. Surely our God, our Creator, who made the mountains, certainly could move them. See this, everything that is promised in God's word will be made possible for those who believe. Isaiah 40 verse 4, Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low, the rugged land shall be a plain, the rough country a broad valley. And Isaiah 49 verse 11, I will turn all my mountains into roadway and make my highways level. Even if our faith is small, the Lord Jesus promised each believer a share in his power. And the manifestation of the power of the kingdom will show in the believer to some extent in dominion over demons and illness because God supplies because his resources are within reach and because they are accessible to his children. Verse 21, How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. This particular verse, verse 21, is not found in some ancient manuscript, but does 
in some of the early Western and in almost all of the Byzantine texts, the original reading of the scripture. And, and then it explains that this kind in this instant in verse 21 refers to the demonic child, the demonic kind. Fasting may not necessarily mean sadness or mourning and not eating as is often taken, but rather its meaning is in the thought of earnest prayer. Read about it, make a note, Acts 13 verse 2 and also Acts 14 verse 23. Horton writes, fasting does not make us look better in God's sight, but rather it can show our utter unselfishness and self-forgetfulness and self-denial. Arno C. Gablin in the Gospel of Matthew suggests that in spiritualizing this portion of the Word of God certainly could have dispensational and spiritual lessons as in coming down from the mountain the Lord after having been transfigured typifies his coming again in glory. That that is an example of his coming down and of the transfiguration. And see what the Lord finds when he comes at the end of the age. Satan is destroying people's, people's body and soul, as we see in the example of the young boy. Multitudes wait for the return of the Lord, and when he does come, he finds unhappiness, misery, and unbelief. None of the nine disciples left to minister to the needs of others had the power to cast out demons. They were helpless. They couldn't do it. And while representing the Jewish remnant, as Gablin writes, it was unbelief that was at the root of their inability, and he quotes chapter 10 in the Gospel of Matthew. During the tribulation, these are the believers that have been given the task to evangelize, read scripture. Because the church is gone, the church has been raptured, and this future Jewish remnant will go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And they will go through the cities of Israel once again, manifesting the powers of the kingdom in the name of the Messiah. When the disciples tried to help the young boy and failed, did the people around them jeer at the boy frightening the child? The effect on the boy must have been awful, frightening him. And the failure of the disciples made things worse. As Gamelin writes, we are as believers in the midst of an evil world which is under the sway of its God, the devil, and his demons. Complete victory and power over the world and its God are given us by and through our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, 
Here are many of God's people as helpless and powerless as were these disciples at the foot of the mountain. Weakness and failure are seen everywhere. And instead of exercising full control and having full power over that which is evil, the evil has full control. Because of our unbelief. Unbelief gives the world and Satan all their power. Faith lays him low. And the walls of Jericho or the world must crumble to dust without even a single hand lifted against them. If we have faith, nothing is impossible for that one who believes. Faith can remove and does remove mountains and obstacles and difficulties that are in our way. And we believers so seldom exercise this kind of faith. And there is lack of faith because of a disconnected, a cut-off communion with the Lord and an unhealthy being busy with self. If the Lord would always be before our faith, faith could so easily be exercised. The Lord gives the medicine. He gives the treatment. It is prayer and fasting. Prayer means communion with the Lord and dependence on him. And fasting, missing a few meals, oh how silly, let's not get fanatic, let's not take the easy way out. Fasting means losing sight of self. Amen.